Welcome to Social Workers Break Room. This is Imelda. And I'm Jennifer. And today we bring you a depression-busting activity to incorporate more joy in your life. Stay with us. Yeah. You good? We're good. <laughs> I don't know what that was. I was just making sure. Okay. Today, we're going to be talking about what's called behavioral activation. So, Melda, have you ever heard of behavioral activation or problem-solving treatment? I have heard of it, but I have not either put it into practice or worked through all the steps. So, this is very exciting for me. Awesome. Yeah. So, today, Melda is actually going to be my client a little bit, so you can see a little more of the modeling of behavioral activation, because as helpful it is, is for us to kind of talk around concepts, I think it would be a little more helpful for us to kind of talk you through concepts, since we had pretty good response to our coping skills episode. So, um, today we're going to be going over, uh, again, what's called behavioral activation. So, if you look it up and for the informational sheet that we've linked on the website, you'll see that it has its origins large in cognitive behavioral therapy. However, um, it also gets used pretty heavily in PST or problem-solving treatment. You can also just use behavioral activation on its own. It's evidence-based as a standalone intervention for depression, anxiety. It's been studied with PTSD, uh, making difficult decisions, etc. So for those of you, you know, even if you aren't like a direct practice clinician, hopefully you can implement this in your life or, you know, with case management clients, again, maybe those of you who are BSWs thinking about getting into the field, again, a perfectly accessible and approachable intervention for you and your clients at various levels. I love it. So uh, depression or depression-like feelings can cause us to stop doing things we enjoy is essentially what a lot Mm. of the concept is based on. And planning enjoyable things helps treat depression. So we want to focus on increasing pleasant events each day. So, you know, and I think about uh, one of my supervisors was really into uh, problem-solving treatment and behavioral activation. And, you know, back when we were all in offices, she had two different circles taped on the floor with arrows. You know, one that was kind of like our negative cycle and our positive cycle. So in the negative one, it's like feel depressed, do nothing, feel worse, do nothing, feel depressed, right? Like we all get stuck in that cycle or like anxious, feel paralyzed, do nothing, Mm -hmm. feel more paralyzed, feel more anxious because I did nothing. It's really easy for us to get caught in that negative cycle, but it's actually a little bit easy for us to get caught in that positive cycle too, but we have to make it super duper accessible, which is a lot of what behavioral activation is based on. So... Um, feeling bad causes you to do less and again, keeps us in that negative cycle, but we're trying to get clients in that cycle of like, do a teeny tiny good thing, Mm -hmm. feel pretty good, have energy and feel good enough to do a slightly bigger thing, feel really good, do another thing, feel better, right? We can get ourselves kind of into that same snowball that often paralyzes us in depression or anxiety with really good things. So this helps us take that first kind of teeny tiny step forward. So we're going to be encouraging clients to increase the level of engaging in pleasurable activities to interrupt that cycle of depression. Again, get them out of our negative circle on the floor and into our happy green circle on the floor. So um, kind of the overview of it. So you work with clients to schedule an enjoyable event within 24 to 48 hours. We use SMART goals. We always use SMART goals. So we're going to review the who, what, when, where, and how we're going to do this. And then we also troubleshoot the barriers to activation. Again, a lot of people are stuck in that vicious cycle. So we've, if we don't solve for the problems that kept us in that cycle, we can't quite get out of it. 
you know, a lot of clients will want to set a really big, perfect reoccurring goal. We are focusing on one specific thing to happen today or tomorrow, period. We're not looking any further into the future. Not long-term. Do you think that's one of the reasons why New Year resolutions don't work that well? Because people make big goals for an entire year instead of making small goals for the next few days. Yeah. If they're especially stuck in that negative cycle, you know, then it feels impossible and way off. Like it would be a miracle, you know, to get to that other side. So we want to start again. It should be small, feasible, one-time activities. And another thing you can do is focus on activities that the individual previously enjoyed. Mm. Um, This is really helpful. You know, clients are resilient. They have a toolkit. They have made it this far in life. We don't need to necessarily, while we want to be people who provide psychoeducation and teach skills, the best things clients have is what they already know and feel comfortable with. And they also know have worked for them in the past. Again, they're the experts in their own life and we want to lean on that. So um, you'll also spend time on how, again, we're going to talk about strengths, barriers, assess how confident clients feel about meeting their goal. And Amelda, again, was nice enough to be my client today. So Mm -hmm. we'll kind of start at the top here. So Amelda, what's one thing you could do today or tomorrow that would be exclusively for your rest, pleasure, or enjoyment? Hmm. Good question. Um... I think exercising, either form, either again on my bike or going for a walk or going running. I think I know that it brings me pleasure to do it and I feel good afterwards, but the starting and making time for it, that's usually the problem. Gotcha. So if we kind of lean back on one of the times where you did do it and you got all the way through it, what kind of helped you be successful in the past? What did you notice about those situations or that time in your life that maybe made it a little bit easier or the times when you kind of maybe pushed through what was difficult to do it? What was different about then than what's going on now? I feel that in the past times when I have exercise or gone for a run or get on my bike, it's usually when my to-do list is not as heavy mm. when, because sometimes I feel guilty of like, oh, Mike, should I, you know, should I go for a run or should I go for a walk and exercise? But the other side of my mind is like, well, you have all these things to do. Like you could be spending the next hour actually responding to all these emails or working on, you know, this next project. So usually what helps me take that extra step and actually exercise is when I my, I don't have that many pending things to do. Mm. So it sounds like, you know, there's kind of an emotional barrier to doing that. It's that feeling of guilt for doing something that's for rest, pleasure, or enjoyment. So if you think of a time that you felt guilt-free about doing a joyful activity, you know, besides cranking down your to-do list first, what other things have helped you feel not guilty about it? Hmm. Something that has helped is coming back to the realization that uh, taking care of myself is important mm. and that um, my to-do list is never going to be completely done. There's always going to be something something else to do and that taking a break, it's okay. But sometimes, you know, it's just like that struggle of your mind of like, no, you need to get this done because you already put it off yesterday and you have to do it today. Or sometimes it's uh, realizing that, but you also need to take care of yourself and do something nice for you before you can like continue moving on um, and really focus on 
on the task. So I'm hearing that on the other side of kind of that feeling of guilt is also that feeling of reinforcing your worth and your relaxation and your ability, you know, to maintain and be a stable, well-rounded human being who takes care of themselves. Mm -hmm. So you said exercise, which can be really broad. So if you think of today or tomorrow, which we're looking at the afternoon now. So if you have to do either something later today or tomorrow, let's think a little more specifically about that. Walk me through what that might look like. Mm, So I have a Peloton bike and I enjoy getting it on it. Um, So I was already thinking that probably tomorrow morning before starting my workday, I should get on it and do a, you know, 30 to 45 minute class. And the last time you did a Peloton class before work, what helped you be successful with that? I felt like um, I went to sleep early enough. That way in the morning I was able to wake up an hour earlier than my usual Mm. and have enough time. I think when I wake up, early enough that I have enough time to exercise and get ready for my sit meetings for work and everything that I need to do in, to prep before starting my work day. Um, that's when it's most successful that I might like that when I realize that I have time in the morning to do it. Sometimes when I wake up too late um, and I try to rush through a workout and be Mm. like, okay, I can just do like maybe like 15 minutes, but then I'm going to be sweaty. And then I have a a 9am Zoom meeting and no, I'm, you know, and and then I, I talk myself out of it. So I'm like, I don't have time. I just need to shower and get ready for this. So. Awesome. So it sounds like time is really important. And some of how we might do that is going to bed early tonight so that you can wake up tomorrow. So you wake up tomorrow and you wake up early. What else has to happen next to make you successful? So you wake up, you're probably in pajamas. It's whatever time it is. What happens next to make this Peloton ride happen? Um, I just need to uh, go to the bathroom and then change my clothes, like brush my teeth. So I can like wake up and and get on my workout clothes. Um, But sometimes when I spend some time I've noticed when I, when I wake up and spend some time checking my phone mm. or checking emails, I get totally distracted because I'm already thinking of the things that I have to do for the day or the emails that I have to reply to. And I just completely get sidetracked. And sometimes I'm like, oh, let me just go open my computer before I get on my, on my bike and then just completely messes up the whole. So what has worked is that just getting up and not really checking my phone and just changing and getting on the bike. So we need, you know, clothes. You could lay out your clothes the night before if that's something that makes that a little bit easier or, you know, doing something like leaving your phone on do not disturb or even when you get up and brush your teeth, leaving your phone in the bathroom True. and not even bringing it into where the bike is. So it can't be a temptation. Mm -hmm. Anything else as you think of, you know, what might impact you going to bed early tonight, not checking your phone tomorrow, anything else that might get in the way? It might, it might sound silly, but sometimes um, if I have to do something later in the day and I'm like, oh, like my hair, my hair is going to get all sweaty. So like, cause I know that when I do a Peloton class, like I'm sweating everywhere. Mm-hmm. So like I have to take a full shower, wash my hair, everything. So if I, if I know that later in the day, um, I'm going to have, you know, important meeting or I'm visiting a client or I'm visiting someone or, you know, doing something outside of the house that I have to look presentable. I'm like, I don't have time to wash my hair and get ready and might as well just not exercise today because I don't want to wash my hair today. 
you know, it's just, so it's like that logic of, of, I mean, I'm pretty sure we're, for a lot of us who have long hair, that's always <laughs> a struggle. It's like an event. <laughs> yes. <laughs> awesome. So let's imagine you do have something tomorrow afternoon. So do you need more time to take a shower afterwards? Do you need to, you know, put your hair in a certain style or sleep in it a certain way tonight so that it's ready for tomorrow, even if it gets sweaty? What would kind of solve that barrier? Mm, probably... What I have noticed that works is that if I exercise in the morning and wash my hair after exercising and then during my lunch break, I style my hair mm. and then I'm ready for when I finish work to sometimes I, you know, I finish my work day and then I go to, I have to do a, a meeting or I go to, um, to a visit, to do a visit or something like that. Um, so just having a, a clear structure of how I'm going to prepare myself for when I have to leave home, um, it helps. So we need to figure out what time we need to go to bed tonight and what time we need to wake up tomorrow so that you have time for your full workout and showering after it sounds like. So about how much time do we need in the morning? Hmm. Well, I usually start work at around 8.30. So I've noticed that if I wake up at 6, uh, by 6.15, I'm able to get in my bike exercise until about seven and then shower from seven to eight, like, sh you know, shower, get ready, yeah, have breakfast routine. and the whole routine and then be ready by eight fifteen, eight thirty from when I start work. So that's pretty early. If you think of the time that you woke up and you were most successful at 6am and you felt like a whole human being, <laughs> you know, did, was it just going to bed early the night before? What did you do the night before to make 6am not seem so daunting and more exciting the next day? I felt like um, probably the night before I had an activity that was not as stimulating, mm -hmm. um, like not watching a show that it's just, you know, too complicated or mm -hmm. anything like true crime related or, you know, scary stuff or even like action movies to just get you all worked up. So watching something, if, if I'm watching TV is watching something that is just easy or, you know, comedy or self-soothing um, or even just reading a little bit before mm. going to bed, it helps um, calm down a little bit and be able to just transition to sleep at a regular time. Yeah. And then also what has worked I've noticed is um, being being home even on a on a Sunday. Um, I usually go visit my parents mm. and go to the grocery store and whatnot. But when I'm home by a specific time, let's say like six p.m., seven p.m. early on, that I can do my prep activities before the week. Then it's just my routine to get be able to go to bed early and then you know, just start off in the right in the right foot. So it sounds like really this, you know, this prep for 6 a.m. tomorrow has to start around 6 o'clock today. So <laughs> you need to be home by about 6 o'clock and then that'll kind of start your routine for the week. And then again, let's be specific. Let's make this something that we can imagine and walk through. So are we going to read or are we going to watch something lighthearted tonight? Mm -hmm. Probably read. Awesome. Yeah. What are you going to read? Well, I have this audiobook that I'm listening to. So not necessarily reading, but I, I listen to the, I'm listening to this audiobook. Um I think we talked about it, the burnout. Yes, Emily Nagowski. Yes. Um, so I've been really into that book. Um I'm almost done with it. So I enjoy just, you know, 
going to bed and putting my headphones and listening to, you know, one chapter or whatnot. And I usually fall asleep or, I, you know, I start listening, but then it just you know, suits me and I go to sleep. So that's probably what I'm doing. Awesome. And it can be difficult when other people get in the way of yeah. our routines, right? So is there any boundaries that you need to set or any communication that needs to happen, you know, to say like, hey, I'm reading before bed for at least 20 minutes tonight. I need to be in bed by 10 o'clock or I'm getting up at 6 a.m. tomorrow. Is there any kind of like someone who can either, you know, help hold you accountable or just to make sure that you've already communicated that so nothing gets in the way? Definitely, yes. Um, yeah, definitely with my partner, I've noticed that when I communicate with him early on, that, hey, I want to wake up early tomorrow. I need to go to bed by no later than 11. He's pretty good at, you know, remembering this. And he he's good at, you know, letting me know, like, hey, it's, it's 10 p.m., you know, you have like an hour left to do whatever, you know, you need to do before it's time to go to bed. So I think when I communicate my plans with him, um, he's intentional about reminding me and kind of like also keeping me on on that schedule. So that helps. Awesome. So we're going to communicate with your partner. You're going to go to bed at a reasonable time and read before bed to get you in kind of that relaxed state. You're going to get up hopefully around 6, 6.15 tomorrow so that you have time to do your ride shower afterwards, and then do your hair at lunch if you need to. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you can kind of see getting in the way of you doing that ride tomorrow? I don't think so. Um, yeah, I've noticed on the days when I'm, cons or the weeks when I'm consist consistent on doing my exercise, you know, three or four times a week is the days when I follow a, a very similar structure, even the night before. Um, I think just being intentional of that, what I'm going to do. And something I've noticed that works, uh, is very effective is when I write with a friend. Mm. So for people who have, uh, the Peloton, the Peloton app, you can actually schedule writes with your friends or people who are also, um, you know, on the app and, having that commitment in the morning, knowing that like, oh, you know, my friend is going to be waiting for me to do this ride together at 7 a.m. Um, it's very effective of getting me out of bed and eliminating the excuses or, you know, prepping the night before mm. for all the things that like, you know, leaving my clothes out and making sure that I'm ready for the morning because my friend is going to be waiting for me. And I don't want to, you know, just ghost her or disappear or not show up to my commitment. So is there anyone that you can reach out to today to be your accountability buddy for tomorrow? Definitely, yes. Awesome. And what time do you think you're going to ride tomorrow? Uh, probably at 6.30. All right. So tell me if I've got this right. So it sounds like, you know, Imelda will do a 45-minute Peloton ride tomorrow, 6.30, in her apartment. And how she's going to achieve that is she's going to go to bed early tonight. She's going to have a bedtime routine. She's going to communicate with her partner who's going to help hold her accountable tonight to make sure she gets to bed on time. You're going to communicate with a buddy to ride with tomorrow who's going to help keep you accountable and on schedule tomorrow morning. And then you've left yourself enough time to do your whole morning routine and to make sure you have plenty of time to get ready for anything else you have later in the day. Yes, that sounds, that sounds accurate. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, if you had to rate yourself one to 10, how confident you are about meeting this goal tomorrow, how confident would you say? Um, I will say, I will say an eight. Um, I feel like it's pretty likely 
that I'm going to do it because this is not a new thing for me. It's not a new routine. Um, I, you have helped me identify what has worked for me before. And now that I talk to you about it, I identify that like, yeah, that's true. Like the days when I am, I'm successful at exercising is when all these things happen before and during. So I know that if I plan it correctly or I follow the plan, um, I'm going to be successful at, at doing it. And you said it was an eight. What do you think would make you a nine? And if you're really confident about that? Hmm. I think for me, accountability, it's, it's one of the biggest motivators. Mm. So if, if I had someone like checking with me after, you know, like mid morning or something like, Hey, like, did you, did you actually follow through with this? Um, I feel like I'm more compelled or it's more likely for me to do it because I have to report to something or someone, you know, like, ah, this is my proof that I actually did it. Awesome. So if I commit to texting you tomorrow afternoon <laughs> to see if you did your Peloton ride, does that move you to a nine? Yes, definitely. Awesome. Okay. Well, then I will be texting you tomorrow <laughs> to make sure you did it. Uh, Pixar didn't happen. Yes. Or Instagram stories if it didn't happen. Anything else that you can think of that might get in the way? I don't think so. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So this is going to be a learning process for the both of us. So the next time I talk to you, which will be tomorrow at 11, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to ask you how it went. And if you weren't able to achieve your goal, it's still okay. So we're going to unpack what got in the way and what we learned from the experience. And if you were able to achieve the goal, I'm going to ask you how it felt to achieve your goal and also identify some of those specific things that made you successful. All right. So... That's essentially how you do behavioral activation. Uh, We kind of went over the concepts, but hopefully that made it a little bit clearer about, again, leaning on those strengths. Again, what what else gets in the way? What else gets in the way? You know, let clients have them picture it, walk themselves through the exact steps they took the last time they were successful. What it would look like to do that, even just imagining themselves being successful is really important for a lot of clients, you know, to believe that they can do it and lean on that resiliency. Absolutely. Now that you've been through the process, Imelda, do you have any questions about behavioral activation or how to use it with clients? Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can apply this type of technique to pretty much any type, any any behavior that the client wants to accomplish. Um, does it have to be necessarily a specific activity or can it also be that the client wants to be more, either more positive or, you know, use more kind of like change their frame of thoughts. Mm. Um, Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So behavioral activation, we want to keep it to those small, feasible one-time activities that mm -hmm. are, again, centered around rest, pleasure, or enjoyment. So if they wanted to do something, you know, clients who maybe are a little bit stuck in potentially like a negative thinking pattern, Mm -hmm. it could be, you know, between today or tomorrow, or it could be, again, we've already gone through the SMART goal process. We've gotten it really specific. Like you will write on your mirror when you brush your teeth tonight, one thing you love about yourself. Mm. And you're going to do that every night for a week, but you're going to make sure you get no less than three on there tonight when you brush your teeth at 9 p.m. And nothing's going to get in the way because you're going to text your partner, hey, I have to do this. Make sure I write on the mirror. I know that sounds ridiculous. And when you get home, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to find the expo marker and you're going to put it in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And you're going to put it on top of your toothpaste. When you go to reach for your toothpaste tonight to brush your teeth, (laughs) it's going to be right in your way. So you do it. So again, it's those small one-time activities that get them into their foot, just into the door of kind of that positive uh, process of activity. 
opportunities, which can then open it up to much bigger opportunities Mm -hmm. again. Uh, for a lot of you who are trained in CBT, um, this is, uh, you know, behavioral activation fits right into our B of CBT for behaviors. For those of you who are in problem-solving treatment, we start to set these kind of goals in the very beginning of problem-solving treatment as we're working through and identifying the problem in the problem statement, because um, you usually can't get through all seven steps in the first session. And then again, for those of you who are case managers, this is a great thing. You know, maybe you have a client who needs to apply for benefits. Mm-hmm. You have a client who needs to, um, you you know, do anything else where sometimes there's a lot of barriers in the way or they just haven't gotten around to it or they felt guilty about doing it, you know, not so much unpacking those emotional things that get in the way, but making the activity or the behavior really, really excessively possible. I like it. Do you think this will also work for any addiction treatment? Yeah. I mean, it depends on, you know, I always tell clients, you know, there's really important reasons why people use drugs. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the important reasons that you're using drugs right now? And if that's something that's kind of in their negative cycle, is there something that we can bring into that positive cycle for them? So if they're using drugs socially, that might be about connection. That might be about that feeling of belonging. Take me back to a time when you felt socially connected, where you felt like you belonged without using drugs. And how can we recreate some of those scenarios? How can we lean on something with Mm -hmm. that? You know, can you reach out to one person by 5 p.m. tomorrow and send them a text about how much you miss them? And that might reactivate some of those feelings of connection. Um, if it's something like, you know, pain relief, there might be some alternatives there. So figuring out what's underneath it, what's the really important reason for them using drugs. Again, is there another time in their life where they've been successful in that meeting that need in another way that we can recreate and get them on that path towards? Thank you. Well, as always, we hope this is helpful. We have a little bit of an informational sheet as well as the behavioral activation worksheet that is linked on the episode. And if you love or hate uh, behavioral activation, either way, we would love to hear from you or answer some of your questions about how to implement it with clients. Yes, definitely share with us. The things that we share here on this podcast are based on our experience and our experience with our clients or our community and We'd love to hear from you and what works for you in your in your community as well. So thank you so much and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Well now I have to do it. Take you a do. picture. I mean I really like to you. That's what clients are like, you're really gonna call me tomorrow? I'm like, hell yeah. I'm gonna call you tomorrow. It's gonna take me two minutes, you know, to call you and be like, did you call your friend? Did you want a movie ticket? Or-